Gentlemen, Bears, Kazon, and things. Episode 17 of the Muppet Trek Podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Jarman, and we are here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. And what are those, Steve? The Muppets and Star Trek. We have been doing one-to-one reviews of The Muppet Show and Star Trek, the original series. And tonight we're covering The Muppet Show with special guest star Valerie Harper and Star Trek original series episode, The Squire of Gothos, or Gothos, one or the other. But before we get to that, Jarman, do we have any feedback? We do. On Twitter, we have the lovely Michael McGovern, uh, a long old friend of mine, uh, listened to the Play on Nerds podcast, and now he's listening to The Muppet Trek podcast, and he says on Twitter- We tricked him again. We tricked him to listening still. Uh, (laughs) He says, I'm loving this new series, and I'm so glad you're doing it. I've been a huge Star Trek fan fan most of my life and i've always loved revisiting the muppet show keep up the great work and so thank you so much michael that's very nice love it well thank you for continuing to listen and believe in us yeah we didn't know if we had our old fans all coming back for the muppet trek so we're, gl- we're glad to hear from you yeah and so steve tell us about this uh guest star valerie harper that we have this week oh man valerie harper well she's a golden globe and three-time emmy winner with oh, a tony God. nomination under her belt and while she does have a few films under in her to her credit uh that you might know her from, most of us know her from television. She played Rhoda on 92 episodes of the Mary Tyler Moore show, 92. which then spun off into a 109 episode show of her own called Rhoda. It went longer than Mary Tyler Moore? Longer than Mary Tyler Moore. That's crazy. <laughs> Just nuts. Uh, but what does our generation know her from? A few, besides a few short or single episode runs on kind of bigger shows like Desperate Housewives or Two Broke Girls and doing a voice on The Simpsons. The answer is probably not much for our generation besides Mary Tyler Moore show. Yeah, it's crazy because she's beautiful and talented and funny. And so I'm, I'm surprised we shouldn't do more after Rhoda. Man, I'm just I just hope she got her money and got out. Yeah, I got some good residual checks there. You know, retirement yeah. syndication on Mary Tyler Moore and Rhoda and just ride that to the, for the rest of her days. Nick at night, man. <laughs> Nick at night. <laughs> she gets a 12 cent check every time it shows. She better. I hope I she hope. does. <laughs> This week on The Muppet Show, uh, the show opens backstage with Kermit telling George the janitor that the backstage is just a mess. Valerie Harper enters backstage. This is actually the first time a star did this. Yeah, I noticed that. And immediately plunges, uh, plugs her show, Rhoda. It was real quick. <laughs> and then says she's a Muppet freak and that she wants to do a big opening number. It turns out that she sabotaged the opening bird act by taping the bird seed to someone who is presumably being pecked to death by birds while this is happening. <laughs> yes. Uh, Valerie then gets a backstage performance of Broadway baby in which she does several impressions and slash or caricatures, including Mer- uh, Marilyn Monroe. It was a great opening number. Oh yeah. Uh, after that, we have Statler and Waldorf who this week are kind of important for once. Uh, the B-plot centers around them trying to approach Valerie Harper for a date, specifically Statler. Mm-hmm. Following this is a trip to the kitchen with the Swedish chef. He's decorating a cake, and the cake screams back at him in Japanese. <laughs> and after arguing, he smashes it with a bat. Next, we take a trip backstage where Statler is demanding to see Valerie Harper, and he's bringing her the special plant that grows uncontrollably. Statler takes a seat, refusing to leave the backstage. Uh, 
Afterwards, we get a Muppet news flash. A man has turned into a rug. Valerie Harper plays his wife who plans to divorce him because he doesn't match the drapes. Mm-hmm. We then get Rolf original poem, the butterfly. Um, we get, we got another one of these earlier in the season. Right. Um, and it's just a fun, cute little moment that uh, ends with a butterfly catching him in a giant net. Statler still backstage argues with George who ends up watering the plant, which causes it to grow uncontrollably and take over the backstage. Uh, we're after this is at the dance. We get a, the, a weird joke with Dr. Teeth dancing with Mildred, who tells him that he is a terrible dancer. He responds by making a joke about physically hurting her. <laughs> God, <laughs> love I love it. There's so many jokes in this that I'm watching. I'm like, man, this would not fly. Not anymore. <laughs> uh, next is Ralph and Sam singing the song Tit Willow, uh, where Sam unenthusiastically talk sings along, uh, which is a really funny number that ends with just Sam singing the word Tit Willow over and over and over again. <laughs> After that, we have another musical number with Floyd Pepper, who performs the song Searching as kind of a Sherlock Holmes kind of character looking for a lost little girl who's always just out of their line, line of sight. Uh, we get a check-in with uh, or uh, Waldorf Statler. God damn it. I always get a Waldorf. Yeah. Waldorf, uh, who is jealous and bored, making faces and trying to tickle himself uh, to stay entertained. And it looks inappropriate. <laughs> uh, backstage Kermit goes on to tell Statler to get the plant under control as it has taken over the entire backstage. George gets the plant wet again, causing it to explode with growth yet again. Upstairs, Hilda and Valerie are in the dressing room who introduces this. It's a terrible joke about a rabbit. I'm not even going to say it. Yeah, I was, I was I confused it by that. I wrote it out. I'm not even going to read it. <laughs> uh, backstage, what's more, the plate has begun to completely choke the backstage as Kermit calls for the next act. Sam the Eagle does his weekly introduction of Wayne and Juana, who sing on a clear day. You can see forever. They begin to sing when a heavy fog rolls in and chokes him out. It's a, a cute Wayne and Wanda. After this, we get a brief Muppet News flash where the paper doesn't say anything. <laughs> Uh, back in Valerie's dressing room, she is excited to go uh, for her big closing number. Kermit tells her that she'll be performing with the Clodhoppers. This then brings us to the closing number of Nobody Does It Like Me. A really cool stage number done with one of Jim's favorite tricks, which requires ultra black backgrounds and guys in full velvet suits making puppets dance. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Without you knowing they're there. It's a really cool effect. Um, we come to the close of the show. Statler finally gets introduced himself to Valerie, who just wants the plant because she's a vegetarian and wants to eat it. And that is this week's episode of The Muppet Show. Mm-hmm. So some cool music this week. We got Broadway Baby. It's from Sondheim's musical Follies. Fun to Sondheim fact. He only writes music in lyrics while intoxicated. Hmm. Uh, Tit Willow from Gilbert and Sullivan's opera, opera, The Mikado. It opened in 1885 in London. And within nine months, more than 150 companies across Europe and North America were performing the show. Jeez. Uh, Searchin, made famous by The Coasters, who were an early kind of R&B pre-doo-wop group. And this is the same group that uh, performed Yakety Yak. Don't talk back. Yeah. Uh, on a clear day, you can see forever. It's from a musical of the same name. Uh, lyrics were provided by a guy named Alan J. Lerner of Lerner and Low. Uh, and they, of course, brought the world musicals like My Fair Lady and Camelot and Brigadoon. And nobody does it like me from the musical Seesaw, which we actually mentioned on an earlier episode, based off a Gibson play, Two for the Seesaw. And it's the heartwarming tale of a lawyer who goes to New York City to have an affair and cheat on his wife. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> also wouldn't fly. 
No. Uh, so, Jarvin, what did you think of this episode of The Muppet Show with Valerie Harper? Uh, this is one of my top for the first season. Uh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I think she's just really entertaining. I really enjoy that it, it changed things up a bit. Um, having her come out and uh, from backstage in the first part of the episode. Um, I like that uh, Statler and Waldorf were a little more involved. And it had a, like a, a solid B plot that went throughout the whole episode and kept you interested with the plant growing and growing and taking over mm-hmm. the entire set. That probably cost a lot of money to, to do all that. Um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, so uh, more along this, this theory of mine that Statler and Waldorf are two gay men, um, first of them dancing together in a couple episodes now, but also says they dated a man. Yeah. Waldorf says he dated Lionel Barrymore. Um, yeah. And so I think it's canon at this point that he's at least bisexual at Um, least, but who's going to don't judge Statler and Waldorf. I'm not judging. That's cool. If they are, it's just, it's a, that's my little theory. My little, um, head canon that they're just saying they're puppets. They don't have a bottom half. (laughs) That we know of. I'm just no. There's, I'm just saying. There's no genitalia involved. So. <laughs> and uh, the Sam the Eagle song, Tick Willow, Tick Willow, Tick Willow, Tick Willow, Tick Willow. It was actually just really weird and funny. I don't know. I just really enjoyed that. <laughs> um, yeah. So like the only thing that was fell flat was weird. Was the weird uh, bunny puppet? Joke oh my thing. god, that was so bad. I'm not even gonna talk. It's so bad. It just I didn't catch it. I was like, what what just happened? I'm confused. And it wasn't related to the rest of the episode. It was very confusing and, and it was gone. So that didn't really take away too much for me. So just yeah, really entertaining episode. Valerie Harper, very funny, very good singer, dancer. She did everything. So she's kind of one of those great people to host the show because she can do a little bit of everything. Um Yeah. So yeah, it was really I think solid. Her, her opening number and her starting backstage was just killer. And I feel like in general, this episode is one of the few from season one that you could tell me was from season two or season three. And I'd go, Oh yeah. Cause the backstage plot was present and there, it was much bigger. There was much more of the star backstage, right? We got enough of the star of this episodes. time. Um, the, the, the musical numbers were quick. Mind you, we were missing kind of some staples. We didn't get a veterinarian's hospital. We didn't get a Muppet labs, but I feel like they filled the time really well. Yeah. Cause we got a Swedish chef. We don't always get that. So mm-hmm. the cake had smushed. <laughs> so it was good um well good i'm glad this is probably you said in your top five yeah I th- i'd say top five for the first season for I sure i think i would agree with that for me too wow there you go yeah we've had a couple but episodes so far where, we, where you've hated them and i've been like eh, it was all right <laughs> so german let's talk about this week's the original series episode what do we watch uh the squire of gothos or gothos um uh this has been since i was much younger one of my favorite episodes i don't know why just because i think i really enjoy this actor um, who plays the Squire of Gothos uh, throughout. William Campbell is his name. He plays a um, a Klingon later on in the series. We'll talk about that. And then that same Klingon character uh, is a next generation later on. Or it might be Deep Space Nine, actually. Hmm. And he, uh, same actor comes back. He's much older. He comes back and plays the same character. Um, so we'll be talking about William Campbell oh, for a cool. while. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Um, so in this episode, we have the Enterprise uh, passing through a star desert, and they make jokes in the beginning about how Kirk and McCoy miss the deserts of Earth because they're beautiful and Spock thinks that's illogical. Um, but they suddenly encounter a rogue planet that didn't appear on their sensors just moments ago in this desert area where there shouldn't be anything. Uh, so as Sulu en- enters a course to investigate the planet, he disappears from the bridge, and then Kirk vanishes a second later. So what's going on? Uh, so Spock guesses that they must have been taken to the planet, even though it has a lethal atmosphere, kind of like Venus or something. Uh, they then receive a written message from the planet on their view screen, 
And it says, greetings and felicitations, uh, hip hip hurrah, and tally ho. <laughs> tally ho. Strange things. Uh, so Spock orders McCoy and two others to go on a landing party to see what is going on down at the planet. And McCoy gets down there with the others and finds a lush, breathable environment uh, when they beam, beam down. And the encounter looks like a medieval castle, which is all very strange. Uh, inside the castle, they find Kirk and Sulu, who are frozen like two wax figurines. And they also find a being that calls himself Trelane, uh, who comes across as like an old Victorian British fop. That's kind of the character he's playing. Um, and he invites them all to be guests on his planet, Gothos. Uh, McCoy secretly scans him with the tricorder, and it's like he doesn't even exist, like he's not even there. And apparently Trelane has been collecting uh, memorabilia or, or creating memorabilia of Earth from 400 years ago, from that era of like Napoleon and that kind of thing, because he's been looking at Earth from far away. And so from this far away, it's, it's still 400 years ago because of the way, you know, light works and stuff like that. Um, so Spock manages to find life signs in the planet, and he decides to beam every life sign he finds back up to the, the Enterprise just so he can be sure that he can save uh, Kirk and the crew. Um, and he gets them all back in the Enterprise, but Trelane appears in the Enterprise as well, and he zaps them all back down to his castle on Gothos, along with a couple of the female crewmen as well. Um, eventually, Kirk gets tired of Trelane playing games with them, especially after Trelane dresses a female crew member in a Victorian gown and starts <laughs> dancing with her and forcing Uhura to play the harpsichord. It's all very strange. Uh, Kirk and Spock notice that Trelane never strays very far from this giant mirror in the castle, and they suspect that that's where he draws his power from. So to test this, Kirk tricks Trelane into an old-style pistol duel and then shoots the mirror, which reveals all sorts of weird machinery and equipment, and it's now destroyed. This very much upsets Trelane, but the crew is then now able to beam back to the Enterprise. They're not trapped there anymore. And, but as they try to warp away from the planet, the whole planet of Gothos starts moving and continuously blocking their path. So it's like a moving planet. Um, Kirk decides to beam back down to the planet and face Trelane once and for all. And Kirk finds himself in a courtroom when he beams down. And Trelane is the judge. And Trelane says he's guilty of treason and conspiracy and fomenting insurrection and is sentenced to a hanging. And Kirk says, that's lame. You could totally kill me in a more fun way. Uh, it was just strange. Uh, <laughs> it so, was very convincing. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they agree that Trelane will instead hunt him like the greatest uh, game that there is, a human. And in exchange, Trelane will let the Enterprise go. Um, eventually, Trelane hunts down Kirk and traps him and reveals that he has no intention of letting the Enterprise go. He's going to play with all of them and hunt them all down one by one. But just then, two energy beings arrive and appear to be Trelane's parents and they scold him for his bad behavior. <laughs> they send him to his room. <laughs> and they send him to his room, basically. He's zapped away. And it's funny because his accent disappears, and he's suddenly talking like a little boy. He's like, but I was going to win. I was going to win soon. Um, so the energy beings apologize to Kirk for their child, and then Kirk returns to the Enterprise, and that's pretty much the end of the episode. Uh, yeah, so a little bit of trivia here. Um, if anyone watches Next Generation, they'll see a lot of similarities here for uh, Trelane and Q and the way that he behaves. And there was a book written um, that was, you know, canon within the book series that Trelane was actually a child version of Q, um, which is, uh, it kind of makes sense for the, you know, the canon. And originally Trelane was going to be written for Roddy McDowell, the actor who you might know from uh, um, Planet of the Apes and other movies as well. But they decided not to use him because they feared his mannerisms of the character combined with McDowell's look would make the character appear gay. So they, yeah, so, I could get that. So Campbell was chosen instead because his huskier look and build would offset the foppish mannerisms of the characters. Ah, they said. Okay. Um, 
yeah, so William Campbell auditioned, and as soon as the auditioning was done, they said, go straight to wardrobe. He's perfect for the part. So he got it, like, immediately. Wow, um, okay. Yeah, so that's basically the trivia I have for that. So what did you think of this episode, Steve? So overall, good episode. Some of the things I really liked, uh, and mind you, at first I liked it, and then it kind of changed. At first, uh, after uh, Picard, uh, yeah, uh, not Picard, God damn it, Kirk and Sulu <laughs> <laughs> disappear, uh, I was like, oh, we get another episode where Spock's in charge. But that only lasted like 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe five, maybe five minutes. So that was kind of disappointing. Um, but I was excited to see Spock in charge again. Uh, Trelane was a great character. Just great. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think this continues my rising theory about me in Star Trek is that for me, it is all about that week's villain. Mm-hmm. That's what's making it breaking these episodes for me. Cause I was looking back at my favorites and there are all these like crazy villains, Trelane, Mud, Finnegan, uh, Kang, I think it was his name from the Shakespeare episode. Oh yeah. The, or, uh, yeah, the, 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 the acting guy. Yeah. Yeah. The acting guy. That might not be his name. Um, but yeah. So I'm, I'm finding more and more that is what's making these make good or bad episodes for me. That's hence why con will be a big episode coming up soon. Oh yeah. Uh, things I maybe didn't like as much. They should have used the, the, the green light throughout. He froze people multiple times throughout the episode, but it was only at the beginning with Kirk and Sulu that the, that green light was on them. And that would have just been an easy construct to use for the rest of the episode, but then they just ditched it. And I was like, Oh, all right. Oh, I didn't even notice the green light to begin with. Yeah. Kirk and Sulu, when they first find them, they're bathed in this light. Uh, uh, but then there are other times where he freezes people where it doesn't happen. And I was like, well, that was a missed opportunity. That's true. Because you could have made the power uh, recognizable. I wish they had had any way to check in with the enterprise, mm. but they literally took every character like other than Scotty maybe and put him on this planet. So there was no one for the plot to check back in with. That's true. There's no B plot. Basically there was yeah, the B plot disappeared. It merged with the A plot. Um, and the, the hunt at the end didn't feel satisfying. It felt like they were kind of wasting time. Like they were kind of trying to run out the it clock. Was, the it felt episode. like a fill. Yeah, 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 yeah. Filler. Um, and something that I'm finding as a general theme that I'm not caring for in Star Trek episodes is when the episode ends by some crazy third party showing up and saying, like, it was all a trick, humans. And they say, but who are you? And they laugh and say, you wouldn't understand. And they drift <laughs> off into space. And I feel like there's at least five episodes that match that bill. And this is another one of them. That's true. Like the last episode, sure leave that same thing happens. It's like, you're right. Oh, we didn't murder anyone. You wouldn't understand. You're primitive humans. Be on your way. Humans. (laughs) Like, I feel like it's, uh, you know, the one with Tranya, the the kid. That was another one. It was like, it was a trick. trick. (laughs) Come drink Tranya. 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 Oh, poor little Howard kid. <laughs> Clint Howard, um, great guy. So what really brought it through was Trelane and that actor and that character. Some of the other parts of the episode didn't thrill me, but because of this is sort of towards the po- top of the heap. Nice. It brought it up that because much. Because I think Trelane. I think Trelane is what did it. Perfectly cast, and we'll be seeing more of him as a Klingon later on, which is fun. Good. Uh, well, I've got some Trek connections for this week. I'm excited. Okay, Valerie Harper was married two times in her life. First time was to an actor named Richard Shaw, mm-hmm. who had a daughter from a previous marriage. Gotcha. Wendy Shaw. She is an actress with more than 60 credits to her name, 
uh, including a season three episode of Star Trek Voyager called Real Life. Oh. Wendy Shaw, Valerie Harper's, for at least some time, stepdaughter. <laughs> Fascinating. Uh, Richard Shaw uh, was also in a TV series called FBI in an episode called Antenna of Death in 1970, <laughs> which also featured that week William Shatner. Oh, what are the chances? There you go. Uh, and Valerie Harper got her biggest break on the Mary Tyler Moore show where she co-starred with Ed Asner. His daughter, Kate Asner, is an actress and was featured in a Deep Space Nine seventh season episode called Extreme Measures. Wow, that's a crazy reaching connection. <laughs> oh, man, just down that rabbit hole, buddy. That's insane. <laughs> All right, let's talk more insanity similarities. Yeah, so I'll throw out some two obvious ones first together. Like right. My first one, uh, okay. both have ballroom dancing in yep. their episodes. You got it. And also piano slash harpsichord playing. God damn it. It's a performers <laughs> pretending to play keyboards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you have another one? Yeah, both involve someone trying to woo an unrequited love. The mm -hmm. Squire with the Yeoman and Statler with Valerie Harper. That's true. Uh, and I've got one more. I got yeah. one more, too. Uh, it. Both have a scene where a character is overwhelmed by fog. Uh, Captain Kirk, when Trelane sends <laughs> him out to the planet unprotected, and then Wayne and Wanda during their song. You're absolutely right. Both feature people searching. Floyd Pepper and the Whatnots looking for that little girl and the crew searching for Kirk and Sulu. It's like they're the same episode. Oh, my God. How do people not see this yet? It's just too obvious. It's like it's forger. It's like plagiarism, basically. It is. But what? what's that noise? Transporter malfunctioning. Transporter the transporter's malfunctioning. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the part of the episode where we transport one character from one episode to the other episode and vice versa. So uh, what do you got for us this week, Steve? So this week I got from The Muppet Show, Sam the Eagle, coming over to replace the Squire of Gothos. Oh, gosh. <laughs> But he, it, but then instead he really plays up the like conquest and glory side. He would. He's very manifest destiny <laughs> is the greatest achievement that we could find. <laughs> Just like, a, do you not agree? Is it not your people's way? That would actually work really well. Mm, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> I actually put that Valerie Harper could replace Squire of Gothos because she's a great song and dance performer and could play that over the top role really well. I think that's she'd what, be right. really entertaining as a Squire she of Gothos. Uh, so I said the uh, the Squire of Gothos come over and take the place of Statler oh. going after Valerie Harper backstage, causing all sorts of chaos and shenanigans with his uh, his powers. <laughs> that would be better than the plant, I guess. My good lady, you should come with me. <laughs> I put the Squire of Gothos to replace Kermit. He could be a great Ooh. host with a Muppet show, I think. He would, he would make a good MC. I could agree with he that. He would. He'd, like, he'd corral that whole place, man. He could really <laughs> drive that home. <laughs> so I guess that really brings us to the end already to episode 17 of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for episode 18 of the Muppet Show with special guest Mummin Shantz. Oh, boy. And original series episode Arena. So from the lovers, the dreamers, and us. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. 
This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds.